0: Five, four, three, two, one. Let's
1: go Hi, I'm Mark Boucher. Today on SpaceQ, I'll be talking with Don Osborne, president of MDA's Information Systems Group, meaning he runs MDA's operations in Canada. Don has 34 years working in the space sector, starting at Spar Aerospace in 1983, which is also where his father worked. He joined MDA in 2009 as president of their Satellite Systems Division in Montreal. Welcome Don to the SpaceCube podcast.
0: Well, thank you very much, Mark, it's a pleasure to be here.
1: So, let's first go back in time to before you started your career. How did your father's work at Spar Aerospace influence your career choice?
0: You know, I grew up around the uh, the family dinner table, listening to my father talk about space and the exciting projects which Barr, uh and his predecessor company, RCA, uh, was undertaking. And uh, to me, it was just a, a glamorous and an exciting industry to be involved in. And uh, back in the days, I think, when space was considered to be at the forefront of technology leadership, not maybe the case today. Um, so it sort of my dream, not necessarily to follow in his footsteps per se, but uh, to get involved in the industry. And indeed, when I was in university, he managed to get me a summer job, pulled some strings and got me a summer job as a junior draftsman. And so the rest is history. But uh, it's been a great industry to be involved in, and uh, it's been a great ride All so right. far. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Spar's robotic division was acquired by MDA in 1999. You didn't stay at SPAR though, you went over to EMS Technologies Canada. That company was then bought by MDA in 2005. You didn't stay at EMS long after MDA acquired that company, moving to Advantech Satellite Systems in 2006. Eventually, in 2009, you went to MDA. So, what took you so long to join MDA? <laughs>
0: Well, I guess I moved from the uh, the space side of the business, which was building satellite hardware, um, where I was in in Montreal, and, and indeed doing some of the robotics business in Brampton, um, to the ground side. And I thought that was uh, an interesting foray. And frankly, I I thought I would had left the space side um, altogether and was going to spend the rest of my career more on the terrestrial side. I got interested in terrestrial communications, but uh, hence the I, move to Yeah, that's right. With Advantech and and potentially moving into more of the terrestrial realm, I became very interested in in terrestrial communications. And uh, a former colleague who had my job previously running all of the Canadian operations, I I bumped into him, I think, at a conference and we started talking. And he uh, told me about the great things about MDA as an aggressive company, as a growth-oriented company, interested in new ideas and how to grow the business. And it would be a great place for me to join. And he kind of sold me over a cup of coffee and uh, called him up a couple later and said I was interested and, uh, again, um, took it from there. So that's, that's quite a sales really the, the appeal. But yeah, it was a great sales pitch and it was all around uh, the growth of the company and the ideas and it had gone and, and you know, effectively stolen the Radar two contract from SPAR and that was one of the, sort took it into the mainstream space business and, uh, and had some new and interesting other ideas on how to grow. So, I kind of like that
1: pitch. So, you joined MDA in two, 2009. That's a little over a year after the company failed to sell itself, or sell its space division, to Alliant Tech Systems in 2008. Uh, History will be the judge of that failed transaction, but I think people see it as a turning point for MDA. Essentially, the falling through of that deal led to what MDA is today, a multinational company setting itself up with diversified revenue streams to foster growth, something I don't think it could easily do if it hadn't expanded to the U.S. MDA is now a company that looks set to close its acquisition of US-based uh, digital globe, which will result in a company that has close to 6,800 employees and a little over $3 billion in revenues for the combined companies in 2016. Considering in 2008, MDA was close to selling its space division, what was it like for you joining the company in 2009, and how did the company culture change so that it could position itself for where it is today?
0: Wow, that's a that's a big question. I guess in 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 2009, when I joined, you're right, it was post the the ATK debacle. Um, I. I The company really had two separate halves, which frankly did not interact with each other. It was the insurance products business, um, which was what it was meant to be left with after selling the space business and the space business, which I joined. And you'll remember in 2008, we had the real estate meltdown that the, the insurance products and real estate products business was really based on real estate transactions, which of course were declining because of the 2008 crash. So the decision was to effectively divest of that business, and we did that. Um, shortly thereafter, I think it was 2010, if I'm not mistaken. It's a long time ago now. Um, and it was sold out to TPG. So um, effectively, the The child that we were pawn off became the only child in the family, Um, and that was the the platform for future growth. And you're right; we've gone on to acquire uh, Space Systems Loral, the number one um, geospatial sorry geostationary satellite manufacturer in the world in Palo Alto, California. And now we're undertaking the digital globe transition uh, transaction as well. So it's really exciting. I I think you know MDA recognized our previous CEO recognized some time ago that. Moving into mainstream U.S. markets was important, particularly the U.S. government market, which is the largest satellite market in the world. Um, so we needed to get in there, and to do that, we needed a, a more significant presence in the U.S. So we've had this sort of um, U.S. plan underway now for a couple of years, and you're seeing it really take hold with the, uh, the final transaction or the transaction we're undertaking with Digital Globe. It's a really exciting time for us. Um, exciting how it's going to reposition the the business the MDA Corporation, not just in terms of the. US market, which obviously it does with because we Digital Globe does substantial business with the US government, but in terms of the integration of the entire business now and, and who and what we are. We really are a, uh, a leading integrated provider of end-to-end satellite imagery and geospatial solutions um, for both the commercial and government markets, and really number one in our industries is the way we see it anyway. So it's very exciting going forward. So let's Exciting talk about time uh, lots of change. So let's talk a bit about MDA's work
1: in Canada. So, my mm-hmm. under, my understanding is you have about 1,800 employees in Canada. Uh, they're located yep. s- seven offices across the country from Dartmouth, Nova Scotia to Richmond, B.C. So, I'm going to mm-hmm. basically go from east to west. Uh, the Dartmouth facility works primarily in the surveillance and intelligence segment. So, I'm wondering, I- I- is this uh, location going to see growth as a result of Canada's new defense policy? I understand that uh, MDA will bid on some of the new Canadian surface combatant ship program, which could lead to a decade or two of work and what other prospects does the MD uh, does the Dartmouth facility have
0: you know I guess uh, right now we are very much focused on the CSC procurement we've been involved in that procurement uh, not as a prime but as a, as a partner to other players uh, for the past two years so we've been working to position ourselves and we think we've done that with significant content and what we hope will be a contract to award to our partners um and uh dartmouth will play us uh, you know a significant um uh, role in that in that work, which will hopefully will flow. You know, the first phase of this is a design phase, so it's a bit of a slow roll after the initial CSC announcement. There's about a two-year design phase, and then there's the per- procurement of some of the long lead items, and eventually the build out of the ships themselves. So the the bulk of the work will happen in the next decade, but uh, it'll be a, a significant role for Dartmouth in that. And Dartmouth is really part of the Richmond uh, business unit. So there, it's not a standalone business. It's integrated into the defense business line of business, which is run out of Richmond. Um, but we're hoping to see significant growth there. So there there could
1: certainly be uh, some new hires.
0: Uh, for sure. Yes. I mean, it's not a, a large operation. It's probably running around 50 people right now, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yes, I would su- uh, suggest there'll be significant uh, uptick there at you know, what we're targeting on CSC, And we're involved in other, you know, there's uh, several other ship programs uh, which are ongoing right now. We're playing a much smaller role, but we are looking at in growing that over time. So, But CSC is clearly a big play for both the Richmond operation and the Dartmouth operation. All right. So going west from Dartmouth,
1: uh, you have operations in Montreal where you've spent considerable time. Uh, They focus primarily on communication subsystems, uh, which is an area uh, MDA is a world-class leader in. Uh, MDA recently signed a letter of intent with the Quebec government for a satellite center of excellence in Montreal. What was the thinking in creating the satellite center of excellence and what's the benefit to Quebec? And is this an endeavor, a direct result of your investment involvement with one web?
0: Um, it's partially to do with one web, but it's also to do with uh, investment we're undertaking for a new digital payload. So as you're probably aware, payloads are moving more from analog technology to more digital technology and things so, called channelizers, which allows you to move the bandwidth around more effectively on a payload and put it down on the earth where you want it. Um, and that's a significant undertaking. It's a significant. It's an undertaking which has been driven by Space Systems Loral, and they did a uh, a competition. They ran a competition to see who would be the best supplier, and Montreal won an arm's length competition against other external suppliers for that technology. And uh, we're undertaking to build that. And part of the investment is to broaden around what we're doing with SSL into other products in the payload themselves and help bring those to market. And that's what Quebec is helping us to support, sorry, is helping to support us doing. So we're really moving the, the technology into the next generation area, and then we're doing some things which we frankly haven't done before in the business. So would this, uh,
1: this would suggest, from what I understand, that uh, as SSL moves forward with uh, its endeavors, uh, that some of that work could then wind up being uh, done through the uh, uh, Montreal facility?
0: that 's correct i mean ssl is is one of you know six major prime contractors in the world they 're number one, the largest market share, and they are one of the customers for Montreal so Montreal is really a merchant supplier to that level of the industry obviously sSL is a sister company and uh, and because they 're number one in the industry they 're a major customer and in this case we 're doing some very specific development for them, um, but this is Products and associated products, which we would eventually hope to sell to the, the market and the other five competitors. And there's other sort of what we call tier two prime contractors as well in that marketplace. But there are it's dominated currently by sort of six main players. So in essence, uh, the
1: in essence, what the the Quebec government is doing here is trying to make sure that uh, 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 new jobs are created uh, in Quebec in this area.
0: That's correct. Yes, I mean this helps uh you know if everything goes well with the the obviously uh, people have to buy satellites and sell satellites and we have to supply so there's some you know there's some risk in this. It's not a foregone conclusion just because you developed the product that will sell it, but if everything works out per plan then yes, we will have a significant portion of Montreal involved in this area of the of of products, uh, both development and sales, so yes, this would uh, shore up montreal's employment levels for some time to come, so I have some questions related to uh,
1: small satellites, but I'll get to them in a bit. It sort of ties in with this, but uh, I'll get to them in a bit. Uh, I want to move on to the uh, to the Ottawa facilities. So you've got two offices okay. in Ottawa, which is basically, yep. one is the, the government relations uh, and the other is uh, for s- surveillance and intelligence and geospatial services. Um, now recently you signed a five-year uh, contract, seems like a significant contract, with uh, Defence Research and Development Canada, which is an agency, uh, a part of the Department of National Defense. Uh, MDA is going to be leading a team of five Canadian organizations uh, with expertise in hyperspectral imaging and data analysis. Uh, Is this work going to be centered in Ottawa, or is it going to be in a bunch of different facilities? And what does it mean for MDA in terms of a potential revenue stream in the future?
0: Uh, So, I guess the um just unpack that a little bit. So in Ottawa, we have a couple of operations, as you point out. One is our government relations office. So it's basically a, a sales and GR office that has about ten employees, uh, and that's in downtown. Um, in fact, we just opened new facilities last week, but downtown Ottawa. And then we have part of our geospatial group was, uh, which was an acquisition. I guess we did a long time ago, probably a decade or so ago, which um, is. Particularly oriented around uh, what we call INSAR technology, which is measuring uh, how the Earth moves using SAR, synthetic aperture radar. So that's sort of a, a product side, product development side of the house. Um, the work you're referring to in hyperspectral will be done out of the Richmond organization. The bulk will be done out of the Richmond organization. Okay. This is looking forward to um, another type of uh, Earth observation satellite, which allows you to look at different things than what we've built traditionally. Uh, we're doing this, as you point out, with partners in Canada. This is potentially a program that the Canadian government wants to undertake. It's particularly good for things like agriculture. And if we undertake that program, eventually becomes a flight program, then there's a good chance that uh, MDA would also be interested in up, uh, interested in stepping up to commercialize part of that capacity and sell it on a on a global basis. So perhaps outside Canada or outside of the uh, stakeholders in Canada, who might get this through the, the subsidy that the the Canadian government might. Might put into the program to make it happen. So, would this, uh, I mean, obviously, this is thinking down
1: the road, uh, would this potentially lead to more satellites being built in Canada, you know, complete satellites?
0: Yes, it's potentially a program. And there's two ways to undertake this. One would be we, you know, through the program, we can figure out how to justify um, the manufacturing build of a satellite ourselves and then sell the data off to the various stakeholders that are interested in it. Or uh, if you look what happened in the original radar program, you know, the Canadian government and it's, uh, the folks in the government decided that they wanted to use a big portion of the satellite. So they undertook to underwrite the majority of the cost or all of the cost, I guess originally in Radarsat 1 of the satellite. And then we, um, which was SPAR at the time or through a joint venture called RSI, commercialized some of the data that was available for commercial customers on a global basis. So, yes, uh, the whole idea here is to move this to a close a business case effectively, which justifies one way or another the manufacture of a satellite.
1: Okay, So... Uh Moving uh, west of, uh, or southwest, I suppose, of Ottawa, uh, you have your Brampton facility, which is quite a famous facility. Uh, this is yep. home of MDA's robotics efforts, uh, for which everyone knows the iconic Canada Arm. Uh, while everyone knows about the Canada Arms and Canada's robotic handyman Dexter on the space station, few, I would say, I would venture to say, know about some of the spin offs from that program, uh, in particular in the medical and nuclear fields. Um, Yeah. When I visited the the Brampton facility uh, recently, I uh, had the privilege of doing that. Um, I saw an incredible robotic vision-guided imaging system that's in development and was built in collaboration with Synaptive uh, Medical. And it's used in brain surgery and was all, uh, and which automatically aligns a camera during surgery, which enables the surgeon to spend up to 50% less time in the operating room, making for a faster and safer procedure. Do you foresee more down to earth robotic spin-offs that would contribute to MDA's revenue stream uh, and growth in Canada
0: you know you're it, it, talking about the medical field in general you know you're seeing a lot more use of robotics if you look at uh, what intuitive's done with the um, uh, the surgery sorry the um, the device it does prostatectomies, for example, and other things. Uh, I think you're seeing more and more robotics being brought into surgery. This is part of what we've been involved in. Uh, it's pretty neat and exciting stuff. And you're right; it's it's everybody who comes through for a tour is just wowed with what we can do. We've taken that large arm expertise, which is really a system engineering and controlled systems capability, and and put it into uh, arms for medical. So, the answer is yes. Um, we see more of that, and we have other projects on the go now, which are in the embryonic stage. Um, you know we are not a medical device house that's a decision we've made consciously. We are a r and d partner for a company that wants to bring a product to market. so we don't you know go through the whole you know, FDA approval and all these other things—that's a a different business profile than what we're willing to undertake. But we are an R&D partner for for programs or for partners like uh, McMaster, et cetera.
1: So with Synaptive Medical which is uh, the collaboration on this particular project. So basically, like you said, um, uh, you do the R&D, Synaptive takes it to market, and you take a a share in that company. And so obviously, uh, it would seem that uh, uh, there's definitely future possibilities there of more Synaptive uh, medical uh, type of businesses for you.
0: Yeah, as you point out, you mentioned the the um, the light. Now that we're talking about a robot arm that that runs around. This is the bright matter c- concept, which follows the surgeon and and moves a camera and a light so that the surgeon automatically gets to see what's going on. Um, versus having somebody reposition and which takes time and whatever uh, during the surgery. So we're seeing this manifest itself in various ways. We're working on a a breast biopsy system right now, uh, commercializing that and then a few other things which are really quite exciting. Okay. So, uh, also in this area, uh, MDA uh,
1: recently received additional funding for its engineering services work in support of the Bruce uh, Nuclear Power Plant. Don't know if a lot of people know about that. Uh, You also received an order for four robotic uh, interfaces on behalf of the Japanese Aerospace Exploration Agency. Uh, Is it safe to say that because MDA has been working in the space environment for so long and has built up a database of experience and knowledge that it can keep and possibly expand its advance in space robotics in the face of increased competition.
0: Yeah, we'd like to think so, for sure. Uh, I think we're, <laughs> we're we're an undisputed leader. Uh, you know, we work in manned space. We put astronauts on the end of an arm, and and if you've ever been to a safety review at NASA, that's a that's a really serious undertaking. I mean, you're you're holding a life in your in your robotic hand, literally. Um, and we believe we do this better than anybody else. It's not about making robots. You know, when you talk about robots, everybody thinks about the assembly line robot. Um, you know, what we do is much more sophisticated than that, uh, semi-autonomous and doing very, very complicated tasks. Um, so we think we're undisputed in the field, but having said that people are, are, are developing new things every day and we keep a watch out to see what's new and make sure that we're not uh, being left behind in any particular area. Now, speaking of, uh, some
1: automation, um, how about artificial artificial intelligence and and your robotic systems, the algorithms? Is that an area where you're you're doing some work?
0: Uh, I think you got me on that. You know, um, <laughs> I think we're. Doing it wasn't a in the list bit, of my questions. I, <laughs> I, I can't talk to you about that one specifically. I'm. I'm you're, I'm not sure. Okay. I know we're doing AI, and I, I know we're looking at, uh, you know, data mining when you get into the geospatial analytics. Oh, yeah, that's a different for thing, for yeah. Sure yeah. In analytics, but uh, But AI itself, I mean, we have semi-autonomous or almost fully autonomous systems, so there's a degree of that in there, but it's uh, – I'm not sure I would call it AI, and what what we all think of it from the uh, from the movies.
1: So I'm going to put you on the spot with another question I just thought of. <laughs> um, sure. The Canadian Space Agency uh, recently. Uh, 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 put out uh, an ACAN, Advanced Notice of a Contract, uh, to Element AI of Montreal to do, uh, you know, concepts, or not concept study, but a research study on uh, the possible uses of AI in the space sector and how Canada could take advantage of it. Um, Do you think that's needed, or do you think the Canadian companies out there are already on top of this?
0: you know i i think application of ai in space is an interesting concept it's probably worth looking at i i haven't heard a lot of companies that have linked those two things together so um you know i think csa works hard at um, making sure some of these new innovative thoughts actually at least develop to some level of, of specificity through, you know, their SCDP program. Um, so I have no doubt that somebody's come in and told them this is a great idea, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be looked at. I You know, I'm not an expert in how those two things would come together.
1: But, it's, a, uh, it's a small study. I'm funded at 50K yeah. for like three months or something like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, so… Um, Who knows? Moving on to uh, last but not least, MDA has two offices in BC. Uh, It's Canadian headquarters in downtown Vancouver and its facility in Richmond. The Richmond facility actually used to be the headquarters. Um, The Richmond facility focuses on surveillance and intelligence and geospatial segments. So tell me what some of the prospects are for growth uh, uh, at the uh, Richmond facility.
0: So the Richmond facility, uh, I guess, is starting with uh, defense. Um, You know, we have a a fairly long legacy of being involved in various defense programs. Um, You know, the defense procurement strategy is now out with Canada, so we can see a little bit further into the future where Canada wants to focus, which is making it easier for us. We've done things like UAV services. Uh, We've put radars on CP-140s. Um, and various other things over the years um, you know we're excited about the CSC which we talked about earlier which is the new ship uh, combat system procurement um, we're seeing uh, not revived interest but more interest again in UAV services as you will recall uh, we were responsible for We were providing uh, services in Afghanistan, and when Canada pulled out of Afghanistan, obviously we pulled out the UAVs. We went on to continue that service for the Australians, and indeed the Australians took it home to Australia, and uh, we're just just closed up a domestic UAV service that we were running with them. Um, Can is looking now for both, uh, you know, interim services and then a longer term version and you get into different types of UAVs. In fact, we we are with we under contract right now for the supply of mini UAVs. Uh, these are smaller hand-launched UAVs um, but they are looking at, uh, you know, longer high-altitude UAVs for surveillance of the north and other things, applications in the next decade. So, um, we 're involved in those, and we 're positioning ourselves to be a supplier um, for future programs um, and again c s c and there 's some of some other programs that we 're looking in in land and army as well so that 's a that 's a big thrust for us here. Um, I guess another business area is our legacy I should't say legacy it's our proud legacy of ground stations um, you know that's where the company started with uh, uh, McDonald and Detweiler in their garage in 1969 uh, really around processing our uh, processors for earth observation data and from that we've ground we've grown a world-class ground station business in fact digital globe um, has been and remains one of our larger customers so that's one of the reasons we've led to that acquisition through that relationship Relationship, um, and we sell those on a global basis uh, so that continues and does well and we're doing quite a bit now with the uh, the Canadian government also as we look at rolling out the RCM constellation which is under construction uh, the RCM program which is the three satellite constellation being done for the Canadian government is actually primed out of Richmond so they're the prime Montreal does the sort of a satellite hardware manufacturer amongst other Canadian partners like Magellan um, but the overall end-to-end system engineering and the the, the program management of the overall uh, system is done out of Richmond, BC. So that's another big activity, uh, which is heading towards a satellite launch in circa sort of July of next year. Uh, and then we get into the geospatial services business, which is also out here, and that's the exploitation of the data uh, from the RADARSAT-2 satellite, which is owned by mcdonald Dettwiler, and uh, we sell that on a global basis. And then we have a couple of other smaller areas, Um, one of aviation services. So we do charting um, for different agencies uh, in the US and around the world, Uh, automated charting, and also uh, something called land administration, which is back to that land business we sold in um, 2000, what was it, 2010, I guess. Um, We have a bit of activity there, which we're trying to grow back. Uh, in the marketplace with a different spin on an old product, shall we say. So we're, uh, we're, we're doing some, some work with
1: airport. uh, uh, for airports in that area, aren't you? Uh,
0: yeah. In geospatial, we do uh, airport mapping and also um, not directly for airports, but um, airport authorities, if you will, like for the U.S. Air Force, for their airports, we do charting as well. And uh, the National Geo uh, Geomatics uh, Administration um, in the U.S. as well, the NGA.
1: Okay. So uh, we've gone across the country and, yeah. about 20 minutes 25 minutes or so <laughs> and gotten uh, yeah. a a good uh, broad uh, outline so that uh, our <laughs> listeners who may not be familiar with uh, what er- what everything MDA does uh and now have a little bit of more familiarity uh but let's focus on uh, on some specific issues uh, sure you, you you beat me to the UAV uh, question so you answered that one already okay. um uh, but Uh, on a couple of other things. Um, Okay, So it appears, uh, based on recent requests for proposals from the Canadian Space Agency and work at the International Space Agency level, that there's a big push to go back to the Moon sooner rather than later. How is MDA going to take advantage of that and does that include operations on the Moon itself?
0: So I guess uh, there is a, a... there's a big debate on what to do post space station um, and you know I think everybody's looking at Mars as the the ultimate objective, and the question is what you need to do to get to Mars and it's pretty clear you need a way station to gas up and rest um, part of the way there, and there's different schools of thought on what to do. One of them is something called cislunar or, or sorry the Lagrange point so you put a uh, Lagrange point is where the gravitational force between the moon and the earth are equal so you put something there and it basically can sit there. Um, that's a good place so call it a a second space station if you will and obviously if you're taking off from there it's a lot easier because you've got less gravitational pull from the earth so the amount of fuel to take off to the Mars is, is uh, much less. Um, so that's a concept. The other one is you build, go back to the moon, build a moon station there, and then maybe take off from there to go to Mars. I don't think anybody's really figured out what it is we're going to do other than they're going to do something. Um, it's our expectation that that will be driven primarily either by NASA or by the European Space Agency. Um, more likely NASA um, through an, the international construct similar to the way it did Space Station. And, you know, we would hope um, that Canada would step up to be involved. Uh, we think, and I think NASA would agree, that robotics is going to play even a bigger role in um, in some of these concepts going forward. And, and obviously with our expertise um, as I mentioned, being best in the world at it, that we see this as a possible target for us and our involvement ourselves. So, you know, we're working with the Canadian Space Agency, looking at different concepts of of the way you, uh, robotics could be used and either, either of these two types of uh, scenarios that I've just mentioned. And uh, and I hope towards the end of this decade, uh, we'll start to see these things, these concepts refined into uh, real programs. So, uh s- and, and NASA is one of the uh,
1: space agencies that's uh, that's pushing. Um Uh, for this, including also, obviously, uh, the European Space Agency. Uh, And there was some news uh, today uh, on uh, the NASA front from uh, our sister site, uh, NASA Watch, which broke the news that uh, uh, Jim uh, Bridenstine, who had been reported to be the next NASA administrator, will in fact be the next NASA administrator, and that the Ah. uh, new deputy administrator is going to be uh, John Schumacher, who I believe used to be the chief of staff. At uh, NASA headquarters uh, a little while ago. Um, ah. Okay, so yeah, so that uh, you know, uh, having some new leadership in place uh, uh, should bring some clarity to what uh, some of the policy decisions that are come out they're going to come out of uh, uh, the U.S. Um, okay, so. Uh, back to more Canadian centric stuff uh, MDA is almost done with the build phase of the three uh, satellite radar sat constellation mission uh, for the government mm-hmm. uh, there's a trained workforce that's soon uh, not going to have satellites left to build uh, what's going to happen to that workforce are they some of them going to be transitioned to other projects or because I, I, unless I'm mistaken I don't know if there's any other new satellite projects that MDA is working on in Canada.
0: I guess there's a, a couple of points there. I guess on the radar front, um, you know, I think the Defense Department in particular has um, made it clear that it sees satellite radar uh, as a capability that it wants to have for many decades to come. So the original constellation of radar satellites was envisioned to be 12 and then moved to six pretty quickly quickly because of budget constraints and then ultimately to three so you know i think it's a little short on capacity to do what it was originally envisioned to do and we think that the canadian government will ultimately look to expand that constellation and how quickly it does that i don't know it's not it's not a next year thing but uh perhaps towards the end of this decade um we'll start to see that um come to fruition you know there's another generation of technology which uh, could be developed for that so we're hoping that the government and i think they've already said they will do this is going to look at sort of seeding um, or help to seed some of the research and development which will need to take place prior to any contract awards so we think there's some work that that will be involved in as we position ourselves and it's going to be an internal investment as well as a government investment to to keep the capability at leading edge um, so there's something there, you know, I, I guess the second point is there are no new Canadian programs right now at any level. Um, and there hasn't been for a couple of years. And this really comes back to the lack of strategy, um, space strategy that the Canadian space agency, um, hasn't had, <laughs> um, you know, we've had a succession of presidents and, uh, I think some of that turnover and, you know, and ultimately the government turnover has, uh, um, Stymied the development of that. I mean the good news is um, it's underway and I think the government has said originally they were going to have a space strategy announced in July. I think that's delayed towards the latter part of this year. I know it's underway and I know that they've got a a council of advisors that they put in place um, to help them develop it. So I'm optimistic towards the end of this year, once the strategy is announced, that there'll be some programs that come with it and hopefully some undertakings to employ some of those people. But clearly, if there are no Canadian programs, um, you know, we have a commercial business uh, and it's a very successful one in, 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 in Montreal, for instance. Um, but it does rely on some of the, you know, some of the advancements that are made in the technology. And some of the workforce is aligned with some of the Canadian activities. And if there are no Canadian activities, then, you know, either the commercial business grows or, or we'll lose some people, which would be unfortunate. And obviously when you're in a business like that and you lose the people, you lose the capability. So
1: Right. So if you lose the capability, how difficult is it to replace that capability?
0: It's, it's really hard. Um, you know, it's it's hard to bring in people from other countries, a um, little easier from Europe than it is from the United States. But, you know, this is a capability that is, you know, we have external folks that do come in. I mean, we don't breed it ourselves entirely, but but yeah, if you you lose it, it's hard to replace for sure. Absolutely hard to replace. Right. And it'll be a loss for <laughs> the business and it'll be a loss for Canada. So and that's part of the argument we're making when we we. We well we started by asking, and now we're effectively begging for a space strategy in Canada. So, but
1: so that's from the, the government side. But is there no commercial side for MDA in Canada to build satellites and export them, or is just that something that's not part of the business plan because you've got world class in SSL in the U.S.
0: Well, you know, Canada made a decision. Uh, you know. Way back when I started in that drafting job, somewhere probably prior to that, not to develop satellite bus technology in Canada. And I'm talking about the larger satellites now, geostationary satellites. And because of that, Canada sort of centered its expertise around payloads. And Montreal, indeed, is a world-class payload uh, house. In fact, you know its undisputed leadership is in Antenna specifically. So there's a commercial business, and all of that is done for those prime contractors around the world. So we sell on a commercial basis from fixed-price basis, uh, and that business goes up and down with the cycles of the, the satellite industry. Um, you know the small sat world and I guess we'll talk about that in a minute is a little different and there is some capability in Canada um, for that Um, you know so I guess the bottom line is we don't sell satellites out of Montreal with the exception of Earth observation satellites and again we use partners for, for the bus in that case and the sales we've done to date have all been for Canadian government whether it's Defense Department for Sapphire whether it's RCM for the Canadian government uh, or RaiderSat 2 or RaiderSat 1. It, the, um, the government
1: made the, an investment in the RCM Constellation, and it wasn't just in the fact that it was uh, funding three satellites. Uh, it also yep. made an investment in all the uh, the uh, subcontractors uh, that work with MDA, including Magellan, which, right. built, which built a new facility in, in Winnipeg, a uh, new satellite yep. facility, um, so uh, if there's no work for them either, then I suppose that's another facility that could, uh, uh, I suppose, just be used by the local university because they do have a, an agreement with the university. So that, that sort of leads into my next question, which is, as the market shifts from fewer large geostation, geostationary satellites, at least in the short term, what's MDA doing to embrace the small satellite market with its operations in Canada?
0: So, you know, we, we've picked up on the small satellite trend a long time ago. Um, we have built the antennas for Ridium-2. We built them for O3B, which is a MEO satellite, but still smaller. And we are building the antennas for OneWeb. So you know, again, we, we focused on subsystem sales, things we know how to do really, really well. And when you're talking about small Sats and particularly the larger constellations, you're talking price points which are just at the other end of the scale from a from a, a geo com satellite. Um, so you know, I think we've been there for some time. Um, you know, we're still looking at developing new technologies and new products for the next generation of of the One Webs uh, that are out there. Um, But we are not, uh, at least from the Montreal facility, undertaking to be the prime contractor on those initiatives. So... At the, at the satellite level. so sh- Shifting a little bit
1: to, to the U.S. Uh, for a second, uh, SSL um, has had a tough time winning uh, new geo-satellite contracts this year, uh, and that's just because the market overall uh, for satellites has dipped. I understand that in the second half of this year, uh, there's going to be some more awards, and actually SSL just got one. Um, yeah. However, SSL is going to build the uh, new World of View Legion constellation of satellites, satellites, satellites. Um, How many satellites are going to be a part of that constellation? I haven't seen any mention of that, and and will any of the subsystem work be done in Canada? Based on what you've said so far, I would think that Canada might get some of that subsystem work.
0: So, you're not going to hear the number of satellites from me. Um, That's a proprietary... (laughs) uh, Well, I haven't uh, seen it anywhere, so... Yeah. No, I can tell you there's an S on satellites. So there's there's multiple satellites, but it's a constellation, as you can imagine. And, you know, how you design your constellation in terms of what it covers and your revisits and, and for persistence and all this other good stuff is, is sort of the secret sauce of how people are successful in the marketplace. So that's going to be kept a secret, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, or at least you won't hear the answer from me. But yes, we are competing for you know subsystems uh, on that uh, on that bird or those birds uh, from Montreal, for instance. And uh, we're in a competitive process, and we are hoping that some of that content will be will done uh, will be supplied out of Montreal. All right. So, uh, uh, shifting gears again
1: uh, to another sure. buzzword, uh, and that is big data. So. Yeah. Um, how is MDA uh, taking advantage of this big data movement? Um, and uh, is MDA in Canada going to be working with the new uh, GBDX cloud based system that uh, uh, Digital Globe has uh, developed?
0: Yeah, I think if you've seen some of our latest press releases, we are on GBDX. I mean, this is something we undertook long before we were thinking about getting married. Um, uh, we think this is a great opportunity to put our data onto a platform and and you 're right it 's about data fusion and big data and the analytics um, driving analytics out of multiple platforms or from multiple platforms um, so that 's the key to this industry and making it ultimately successful i you know i had a um a meeting yesterday with uh A partner in the industry and we were talking about um, maritime domain awareness which is the tracking of um, maritime ships around the world and how you bring together different sources of data to determine whether uh, a ship is what it's supposed to be and who it's supposed to be and where it's supposed to be. So for example um, ships carry AIS transponders and it it basically sends out a signal to a satellite which comes to a uh, ground station which says you know I'm a ship I'm uh, 300 feet long I'm this kind of tonnage and I look like that and smell like that and um, with that, you can compare that to a radar signature of the ship and you can look down and you can look at the ship and say, yep, it's it's what it's supposed to be in length. It's looks gross tonnage, looks about right. Um, or you look at it and you say, well, wait a second, that ship isn't what it says it's supposed to be. Or you look down and you say, there's a ship and there's no AIS transponder. Because uh, people have a habit of turning these things off when they're not when they're going to places they're not supposed to be, whether that's illegal fishing or just or moving people illegally or all these things. So, what the trick is is to be able to um, bring in multiple data sources. So you've got a, a, a electronic signature that says I'm something. You've got a radar signature that says you know I may be something else. Now the question is if those things aren't don't align, how do you validate that? that misalignment by something else. Well, you can send over an optical satellite, which can look more specifically if it's if it's daytime. Uh, you could look at other sources of data. You can look at uh, Twitter feeds from the people on the ship. I mean, there's this, this, this integration of data can help you determine whether that ship is uh, who it's supposed to be or where it's supposed to be or doing what it's supposed to be doing. And once you determine, obviously, that that ship is not what it's supposed to be, then you have a decision as to whether you send something out and look at that. So you could send out a small UAV, you could send out an aircraft and look at it physically and determine with the human eye if it's supposed to be where it is and doing what it's supposed to be doing. So again, this is just a small example of, you know, bringing together the, the multiple um, data sources to, to have the right determination. And it helps you sift through, as you can imagine, there's a lot of ships in the seaways and off the, the coastal waters. And you need a way of, of, of determining out of the thousands where the five that you really need to go look at or send out the Coast Guard to go and apprehend.
1: So, uh, speaking of uh, radar data, um, do you have any sense as to when we might get a data policy for the Radarsat Constellation mission?
0: We are actively engaged with the Canadian government in that conversation and I'm hoping we'll complete those discussions this year. This year. Okay. So,
1: Here's a uh, going into a little bit different area. Um, MDA is a large company that's about to become larger uh, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, bodies. Um, but uh, MDA doesn't have all the ideas. So is MDA supporting or does it plan on supporting uh, any type of uh, accelerators or any type of these types of programs where there's some space startups uh, for, and that might have ideas that might, MDA might be interested in?
0: So there are a couple of places. We we've made and we are making and we have made investments in some of the medical companies that you talked about before, um where we uh, work with them on the robotics side. Um we are currently in a couple of the proposals around the cluster initiative, the innovation um initiative out of I said in Canada. Yep. So we partnered there, and the and the idea there is you share intellectual property and capabilities so that you you bring on board universities and and smaller businesses. So it's everything from large to small uh, that work together for a common cause. Um, yeah. You know, we do uh, have several university chairs, uh, or we invest. I guess we have a chair at Western, if I'm not mistaken. We certainly have one at Simon Fraser University. We work with McGill University, so we're quite active with universities. We have one with the University of Calgary um, with the Cassiopeia instrument. Um, so, yeah, you know, we've done a fair amount of that as for the pure accelerator. I think we're looking for some of that to happen with our relationship in the cluster, if we're lucky enough to get selected by the Canadian government to make that happen. Okay. Um, so uh,
1: yesterday was the end of the review, uh, the CIFAS review in the US, uh, which means you should uh, have uh, some news in the, the next couple of days. And uh, from what I've heard previously. um, You're expecting positive news um, to allow the merger or the acquisition to go ahead with Digital Globe uh, and uh, completed by the end of the third quarter. Um, And of course, uh, I've read that uh, once it's completed, MDA is going to be listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Is MDA still going to be listed going forward on the TSX?
0: Yes, co-listed or, or dual-listed, I guess, dual listed. is the terminology. But so it is. It is yes. going to stay there.
1: That's correct. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, talk, we, you mentioned the space strategy previously, so uh, Canada should have its new space strategy in the coming months. Um, yep. They had the console. Better. <laughs> they better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, well, I think a lot of people in industry would agree with you. Um, but here, here, here's, here's the serious question, though. Uh, and, you know, I've been covering this for a long time, the industry for a long time, and seen the ups and downs. And uh, especially in the last 10 years, it's it's been a down, at least in, in terms of space strategy and investments. Um, yep. Although this government has talked a lot, and uh, the new... Uh, president of the Canadian Space Agency, uh, seems to be trying uh, to do his best to uh, to get things moving. Um, do you think the government will step up and deliver something that the space sector can cheer and get behind this time?
0: Do I think? God, I hope. Um, you know, I, I think there's a, a couple of things here. Um mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, Canada has to decide whether it wants this industry. Every every space industry around the world exists because of the interests of its government, um, and whether they underwrite it directly or indirectly. But it's the it's the procurement of services and capabilities out of the out of the industry which has has kept it alive. Um, and I think that's true in Canada. And if if there is no space strategy and no activity and no procurement by the Canadian government of any Space hardware or space uh, products, then I don't think we'll have a space industry. Um, And that's something that the Canadian government needs to decide. Now, I think everybody I talk to says they want that. They see it as important. They want to be involved in in exploration. They want to have a commercial business. They want exports. And all those things are um, provided by the Canadian industry. So I I think, you know, I can't find anybody who says no. But ultimately, it ultimately
1: comes down to funding, though.
0: It comes down to funding and, and I guess use of the funding. And, yeah. and you know, I think um, Canada needs to move with the times. I mean, you know, I had a discussion earlier this week with some government folks and I talked about new space versus old space. And I frankly can't stand that terminology. There's people sound like people. Oh, but it's great for marketing. Products. <laughs> and I know people have built old products and it's like people say are you involved in new space like do you do you make new products and the answer is for products of the products a lot of the concept of new space is the government stepping up and saying rather than you know paying for you to deliver me a hardware through a program I'll buy the services or I will underwrite a portion of the program and allow you to commercially exploit the asset which is built for commercial business just like SpaceX has done and a lot of the uh, a lot of the startups in California are trying to do. So, you know, today, that's outside the the remit or the mandate of CSA. They actually can't do that by how they are structured or how they're mandated. So I think, you know, they need to move with the times. Um, the government needs to move with the times and allow the Canadian Space Agency to invest in some of these initiatives, which are brought forward by Canadian companies. I think that would help um, grow the industry um, but ultimately as you point out it's money and you know it's about leveraging the money and I think this industry I mean we are the poster child on a world basis for the dollars in I mean I think people are aghast if you look at the Canadian industry and what it exports uh, and its capabilities compared to what is spent by the Canadian Space Agency I think it's it's a poster child for that so um you know, I think we've proven we can we can get the multipliers off of the investment, um, but there has to be an investment. If there's no investment, the industry will move. And, you know, if you can't do cool and neat stuff, the engineers with the capability will go and work in countries that do. And you can't, you know, attract talent to do things which are either non-existent or boring and mundane. Um, so I think we're at a crossroads here. To your point, we've been without this strategy for so long. Um, you know, this is a bit of an inflection point. We either find something now that works for the industry and we'll live long and prosper, at least live for a while and prosper, or I think it's going to be the end. Uh, We're on the cliff and I'm hoping that they're going to come out with the right answer. I'm optimistic they're going to come out with the right answer. I think space is very consistent back to why I got into this business. You know, it's about innovation. It's about doing neat stuff. And doing it well, and making a business of it, and exporting it, and creating the jobs, and creating the expertise, and and you know, I, I think it has all those things, and I think that's what the government wants, and I'm trusting they'll see that when it comes down to it, putting the pen to paper and pen to the checkbook.
1: So. My last serious question <laughs> is, uh, uh, has to do with some of the investments that the government has made in MDA. Um, there are some who would criticize MDA for becoming essentially an American company after the corporate reorganization that saw your CEO now being based in San Francisco, the creation of yeah. SSL MDA Holdings, and finally, the acquisition of Digital Globe. How can you reassure Canadians that MDA will continue to have a significant Canadian presence mm mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Well, I think you said it right. It's about where are the jobs? Where where is the capability and where is the work done and where is it exported from? And all of that right now happens in Canada. I mean, for the Canadian operations, it it happens in Canada. There's no Canadian taxpayer dollars that are wandering across the border here for American jobs. These are Canadian jobs for Canadian product, for Canadian intellectual property for Canadian exports. And uh, that's not going to change um and you know we are and we maintain ourselves as a as a canadian company we are today we will be tomorrow um so you know the fact that we have uh uh, divisions of the corporation which are in the united states i think it's a good thing i don't know why we can't have large canadian companies which have overseas operations i kind of a weird thinking there whoever says that but i think we're a proud canadian company we are working Canada, and most importantly, we export from Canada. So, um, going forward, that's the plan, um, and ultimately.
1: Uh, like you said, um, uh, if you're creating jobs, uh, then obviously the work's happening in Canada.
0: Um, yeah, I mean you're right. I used to work for EMS Technologies, and you know I I didn't view when we were quote unquote American owned, and we were truly. I mean EMS was a, a publicly traded American company. You know I ran the Montreal division, and I was I went in and represented myself as a Canadian company just because my shareholders or my owner was American was neither here nor there. My boss happened to be American then; he's an American now. Um, really neither here nor there. Um, all right.
1: So last question, uh, hopefully a fun question, star Wars or star Trek,
0: (laughs) you know, back to my old man, he went to McGill university and he was there with William Shatner. They were part of the radio club together. There you go. Uh, That was my old man's claim to fame. Uh, Not that they knew each other well, but he knew him a little bit. So ever since he told me that story, I was hooked on Star Trek. What can I tell you?
1: All I can say is that's the right answer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to thank Don for being on the Space Cube podcast. Uh, I hope you'll consider being a guest on a future show.
0: Absolutely. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Mark. Thank you very
1: much. Okay. Thank you, Don. Well, that's a wrap on this episode of the SpaceQ Podcast. If you have comments on this episode, you can email me at podcast at spaceq.ca, or you can post them on our website at spaceq.ca, where you'll find an archive of each episode. You can also find Space Q on Twitter at Canada in Space, and we post all our articles and podcasts to Facebook at the Space Q. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn at Mark K Boucher, and if we're connected, you'll get Space Q articles and the podcast notification in your newsfeed. If you like the show, please subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app. If you use iTunes, please consider rating the show and writing a review. If you're so inclined.